Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Merini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. Europe's attention was on Prague on Thursday and Friday as the leaders of Europe's countries, from the broader region and the EU specifically, met to tackle key issues facing the continent, from the war in Ukraine to the looming energy crisis. Aside from attempting to tackle these pressing issues, the two days also saw lingering tensions come to the forefront. Turkey's Erdogan once again attacked Greece, while questions about energy exposed the fault lines within Europe. Efi Kutsokosta, the EU correspondent for Euronews and Sky TV, is back with us to wrap up the week with the latest analysis from Prague. Efi, great to have you back on The Greek Current. Thanks for having me. Efi, it's been a hectic two days in Prague that kicked off with a meeting of over 40 European leaders at the inaugural summit of the European political community. What's the initial take on this new forum? Is it yet another talking shop, as some skeptics have hinted at, or were there definite high points? Thanos, if you expect an answer on whether there were tangible results or not, I would clearly say no. What most diplomats and leaders stressed the most was actually the high symbolism of this meeting itself, with 44 leaders of the EU continent together at a very critical moment because of the ongoing war on European soil. The only missing European countries from this new club were Russia and Belarus. So for many, and for Emmanuel Macron himself, as he was the one who launched this idea back in May, the political message of supporting Ukraine on behalf of all these leaders was the big success of the gathering. On the other hand, concerns over the sustainability of the project and the final format of it remain, because there are too many countries from different backgrounds, even countries with historical and current rivalries, including Armenia and Azerbaijan, or Greece, Cyprus, and Turkey, which makes it difficult, actually, to this body to take any decisions or even issue common declarations on anything. So, to say it clearly, yes, there is a huge risk of having another vague European forum with no real potential of becoming a real political body. This new forum, as you hinted at, is the brainchild of French President Emmanuel Macron. And at the summit, he appeared at Europe's center stage once again. Would you say this was a success for Macron personally, who has consistently promoted an ambitious pro-European approach while seeking to play a, a key role in global diplomacy? Yeah, I would say that despite skepticism over the viability of the format, it was indeed a success for Macron, as he finally managed to bring together all these leaders, including the most controversial ones, such as Erdogan, as well as to bring the United Kingdom back in a European context. At the same time, as Mr. Macron believes the war in Ukraine will be long, he's showed that he's determined that Europe remain united, that it will join forces to confront its energy crisis, and that it will look beyond its borders as a strategic power. And although we didn't have, as I said before, tangible results, we should not underestimate this vision. For example, when it comes to energy, the presence of Norway and Azerbaijan in this event to major oil and gas producers and the imminence of winter certainly produced some initial results, even in the background. So yes, the bilateral discussions dominated the event in Prague, but some things moved there. And all these boost for sure Macron's profile as a leading figure in Europe. Let's see if this will last. A major unknown going into Thursday's meeting, Effie, was how Turkish President Erdogan would behave. 
Unfortunately, Erdogan decided once again to attack Greece at a dinner of European leaders, leading to a heated exchange with Prime Minister Mitsotakis. What do we know about this incident? Yeah, as far as we know, it was quite a surprise for everyone in the room. Turkish President Erdogan took the floor at the leaders' dinner on Thursday evening and in the end of his speech, of his intervention, accused Greece of escalating tensions and provoking. So after that, the Greek Prime Minister asked, and took the floor of course, to reply immediately to him, saying that he should stop challenging the sovereignty of the Greek islands and instead of provoking tensions, he should come back to dialogue without tensions and extreme rhetoric. Erdogan uh, didn't expect that Mitsotakis would be allowed to reply, so he became furious and left the room. According to our information, no leader reacted at the moment, but Macron, who referred to Turkey in his concluding remarks, stressed that Turkey should respect the international law and mainly the values and principles of the European Union. Erdogan was not at the moment in the room, but in any case, Macron has had before a bilateral meeting with him, with the Turkish president, where, among others, he expressed him his concerns about the escalation in the Aegean and asked him to do the necessary steps to reopen dialogue with Greece and respect the international law. You spoke with Cypriot President Nikos Anastasiadis on the sidelines of the summit, where he not only exposed what happened at this dinner, but also discussed his broader disappointment with European leaders when it comes to Turkey. What were his concerns with Europe's handling of Turkey? The president of Cyprus was clear that the EU is sexually tolerant when it comes to Turkey's behavior. He clearly said, and I quote, that it is not possible to say that Russia violates international law, but when international law is violated by a candidate country for accession against members of the European Union, to pretend that we do not understand the importance. It is this tolerance, he said, that disheartens Turkey and creates the risks of a new conflict within Europe. It was quite strong what he said, and his further disappointment lies on the fact that, as he said, many EU member states prioritize their own economic interests, including their banking exposure to Turkish banks, trade, etc., And at the same time, they speak about solidarity, which in the end turns out to be empty words. And Thanos, the president, didn't stop there. He also mentioned the sanctions that the EU is imposing on Russia, stressing that at the same time, the EU allows Turkey, which hasn't so far imposed any sanctions on Russia, to circumvent the EU sanctions and finally import Russian steel to Europe. Effie, following the incident at the dinner between Erdogan and Mitsotakis, diplomats told reporters that Erdogan's decision to attack Greece again at this summit is leaving him even more isolated today than before. Would you say that this is the case? Look, I wouldn't use the word isolated because still the EU leaders keep talking with Erdogan, with Turkey, especially because of Turkey's role in this war in Ukraine and all these corridors about the food security, etc., But, of course, it was the first time that all this extreme and provocative rhetoric of Erdogan against Greece happened in front of their eyes. It happened in a European forum, in the European political community, in front of them. So I can say that the leaders are not happy with that. They were quite frustrated with that, but they keep it silent. I don't think that we will see in the future something like an isolation 
of Erdogan in a practical way. But of course they are concerned and I think that we will see their solidarity more strongly expressed towards Greece. With Europe facing critical questions moving ahead about how to safeguard its energy supply, President Anastasiadis in your interview was clear that the Eastern Mediterranean can play a key role here. What did he have to say about the latest energy developments in the region? Yeah, which are quite interesting. So the president of Cyprus said that there are the discoveries of Israel, Egypt, Cyprus and three blocks of sea that if the European Union wants, can immediately exploit. So two MOUs have already been signed, he said, one with Israel and one with Egypt. And he also said that he believes that this can happen with Cyprus very soon. But beyond the gas, he mentioned, and this is really interesting and important also for the EU, is the hydrogen and the electrical interconnections. Already, he said, within the next week, the signatures for the Eurasia interconnector will be finalized. So Cyprus is in contact with Saudi Arabia, so that from Saudi Arabia, through Jordan, Israel and Cyprus, electricity and also hydrogen, not of course through the electrical connection, but through the pipelines, can go to the European Union. And there are also other alternatives to that. So this is something very important for the European Union that wants very soon to get more independent from Russian energy. Effie, I want to shift from the European political community to the EU summit, where debates about energy took center stage as leaders once again took a stab at possible ways to bring down energy prices. Was there any progress here, or did the debate simply further expose European divisions and fault lines? I would describe what happened in Prague as a brainstorming between the leaders, where, as Emmanuel Macron said during his press conference, there were 27 different models. What he meant is actually that the 27 leaders sometimes don't mean the same thing when, for example, speak about a gas price cap, which is the most controversial issue on the table right now. I could say that this meeting and discussion was important for a better understanding among the counterparts. And there was a clear mandate, another clear mandate, to the EU Commission to work on all possible models for gas price caps, as well as mechanisms for common gas procurement or funding mechanisms in order to be submitted over the coming days and weeks. And finally, to have an agreement when the leaders will meet again at the end of the month for the formal summit in Brussels. At least there is a consensus for the deadline, which is quite something. And I would say that according to talks I had with uh, diplomats, more and more countries that didn't even want to hear the word price cap, now they somehow softened their positions and they are more open to discuss the different mixtures of measures. So yes, politically speaking, there was some progress made, slow but important. Effie, thanks for joining us again. Thank you. In other news, Cyprus expects natural gas from its seas to become commercially available by 2027, its energy minister said on Friday, adding that Europe's energy crisis had put a renewed focus on how to expedite development of reserves in the region. Cyprus reported its first find in 2011 and its most recent in August. With the most recent discovery and the numbers that we have, we have about 12 to 15 trillion cubic feet of natural gas potentially available for supply to the EU, Energy Minister Natas Apilidi said. She added that Cyprus has initiated a discussion with the Commissioner of Energy on how they can expedite the process of developing and utilizing their own natural gas. Finally, Turkish President Erdogan said there's a difference in the approaches by Sweden and Finland to meeting Turkey's security demands for them to join NATO, suggesting they might join at separate times. 
Turkey had threatened to block Sweden and Finland's bids, accusing primarily Stockholm of supporting groups that Ankara deems to be terrorists. NATO operates by consensus, and the two Nordic countries need Turkey's approval to join. Last week, Sweden announced that it would lift an arms embargo that it imposed on Turkey in 2019, following a Turkish military operation against the Kurdish militia YPG in Syria. The move was seen as a step aimed at securing Ankara's approval for its NATO membership. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.